Uh, as Emily said, my name is Drew. I serve here at Mission Point as one of the dads who comes in late with their family to the service every week. Um, don't judge. Half of you out there were planning to come to first service and you just couldn't get the kids ready in time. So now you're here for second service. But it's, uh, it's good to have you here this morning. Um, the struggle is real, right? The struggle is real. That's been our sermon series the last couple of weeks. And um, this morning I get to uh, preach. And um, I was talking to Kondo and Jeff, like, what, what do you want me to preach on? Um, and they said I could preach on whatever I wanted, um, which one is a very dangerous thing to do, to tell somebody they can speak on whatever they want. Second thing, you know how hard it is to decide and to figure out what to speak on when you can speak on anything, right? Have you ever had anybody say like, hey, tell me something about you? And you're like, uh, that's how I felt when they said, hey, what do you want to preach on? I'm like, uh, but the Lord, uh, the Lord has put something on my heart. I decided what I'm going to do is I'm just going to one up Pastor Kondo and Jeff. So my sermon title is the struggle is really, 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 really real. So that's what I'm planning to do. No, I'm kidding. No, I, actually I am kind of doing that, but not really. Um, uh, the, the series that we've gone through the last seven weeks has been about how our pain and, and how our weakness and how that thorn in the flesh can be used to bring honor and glory to God. About how when we are in pain, that's when his power shows up. That in our weakness, that's when his strength shows up. That he has given us comfort so that we can go and comfort one another. Uh, what I would like to do this morning is focus on another aspect of that struggle. And that is this, that our struggle has purpose. Our struggle has purpose. We're going to look at uh, 1 Thessalonians this morning. And uh, the, the, the sermon title is really important. The first thing I really want to point out is our. That's what, I want to focus on the hour. This is our struggle as the body of Christ. This isn't just my struggle and your struggle. It is our struggle. And secondly, I want to talk about purpose. I'm a very goal-oriented, driven person. I want to know what the end game is. Before I do anything, I want to know why. What's the purpose? What's the reason? And so I want to talk this morning about the struggle and its purpose, its ultimate goal and reason for us to struggle. Here's the thing. It's kind of strange that we're all in this room together, if you're honest about it, right? Like, we are very different. Some of you are very young, some of you are more numerically challenged, you could say. Um, some of you were born in northern Indiana. Some of you chose to live here and you regret that decision every January, right? Um, some of you cheer for the Colts and some of you are unrepentant sinners. Um, uh, so, you know, uh, amen, right? Um, some of you were born into your family. Some of you were adopted. Um, some of you like hip-hop music, classical music, pop music. Some of you torture yourself with country music. Now, my point is this. We're very different. And the, frankly, this is kind of a random, strange group. Like if somebody walked in here this morning and just looked around, their question might be like, why are a bunch of different people hanging out at a high school in Warsaw, Indiana on Sunday morning? What's the reason this ragtag group of people are here together? And so I'm going to look at that this morning. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at the purpose. We're going to look at the, the answer, and then we're going to talk about the ingredients that gets us to that answer. Or I work at a college, so we're, it's an equation. We're going to look at the answer and look up the equation that equals that answer. So we're going to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 this morning. We're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we're going to start in verses 7 and 8. 
I'm going to start with just the first two words of 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 7 and 8. If you want to turn or tap there, the verses will be on the screen. First two words say, so that. I'm going to stop right there. So that. It's going to be a long morning, folks. So that. We're just going to stop right there. Uh, This is the equal sign in our equation. What we're going to look at is this plus this plus this. So that, that's the equal sign. And what comes next here in verses seven and eight is the purpose, is the answer, is the equation. So this is really important. This is the purpose. This is the answer. This is why we're here. Verses seven and eight. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. This is the purpose. This is the goal. This is why we're all here. So that the gospel may go forth. One of the things that I love about our church is our name. Mission Point. Like, it's hard not to get the gist, right, of why we're, if you're a visitor here, welcome. Thank you for being here. One of your first questions should be, hey, uh, like, what's the mission point? Now, why is that the name of your church? And awesome. Thanks for asking. I want to give you the answer. It comes straight from our purpose statement. Pulled right from our website this week. This is why we exist. This is the mission point. To become a church filled with people who show and share the love of Jesus everywhere we go. Same mission found in 1 Thessalonians. It's such a great mission. It's such a great purpose. It's something we should all be able to say whenever asked. In fact, I'd like to do a little practice this morning. And I'd like for you to repeat this mission with me. Say this with me. This is the mission point. It is this. To become a church filled with people who show and share the love of Jesus everywhere we go. Quiz each other this week. At the dinner table, at Alpha Dining. Hey, what's the mission point? What's the mission point? What's the mission point? What's the mission point? To show and share the love of Jesus everywhere we go. It's the same thing we see in our text this morning here in Thessalonians. Because it should be the mission of every God-honoring, Bible-believing church that the gospel goes forth. That's the reason we have mission point partners. That's the reason we have kids point. It's the reason why we have love ops. It's the reason why we talk about caring for vulnerable children. It is the mission point. We want others to know about Jesus. See, Paul, who wrote this letter, he uh, he ran a really effective mission agency. Um, Paul was known for taking the gospel far and wide, right? He had been saved. And so he, being a very wise missionary, would go to the port cities and would go to the big and important cities. And he would establish churches there like Thessalonians. And he would go there and he would get people together and he would start the church. But from there, the gospel had to go forth. Paul couldn't reach everyone on his own. And so he helped to create, under the lordship of Jesus Christ, the church. The church. And apparently, the Thessalonians were really good at this spreading the gospel thing. So good, in fact, that here in verse 8, it says at the end that Paul 
didn't even have to say anything about it. The results, the outcome spoke for itself. Paul didn't have to brag about the church, no billboards needed, no Google reviews, no need to talk them up, no need for self-promotion for this church. Everyone knew that the church in Thessalonica was the real deal. Everyone knew that they did church right by sharing and showing the love of Jesus to everyone that they came in contact with. And this is the main point of the message this morning. This is the main point of our whole series about struggle. The purpose is to show and share the love of Jesus. To show and share the love of Jesus, that is our ultimate purpose. We were not just put on this planet for ourselves. We're not just a group of messed up people with no purpose. We have a clear mission to go, 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 share the love of Jesus everywhere. The struggle is real. No joke about it. The struggle is real, but the struggle has a purpose. How are you sharing and showing the love of Jesus through God's main vehicle for that message, the church? How are we showing and sharing the message of Jesus to those around us through God's main vehicle for that message, the church? Are you an active participant or just an observer? Uh, for the rest of this time together, what I want to do is look at the ingredients. The this plus this plus this equals so that the gospel may go forth. What are the ingredients? What is the makeup of how we do this together so that the gospel can go to the ends of the earth? And so we're going to back up in First Thessalonians chapter 1 here. And we're going to back up to verse number 2 through 4 and start there to look at what these ingredients are. And the first thing we're going to see is the first ingredient is gratefulness for grace. Gratefulness for grace. I'm going to pick it up here in verse number two and read through verse number four. It says this. We, Paul and his friends here, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. Paul and his friends here give both horizontal praise and vertical praise. Uh, They first give horizontal praise by expressing gratefulness to God for the church's labor of love in the name of Jesus Christ. Here's my question for you this morning. Um, Have you ever felt too encouraged, like too prayed for? Have you ever told anybody like, yeah, I know you want to pray for me, but yeah, I'm good. I got enough prayer. I'm kind of full up on the whole prayer encouragement thing. Never. None of us has ever felt too encouraged and too prayed for. With the ease of shooting off email criticism, tweeting out your disagreements, sharing a piece of your mind, we have become far too quick to criticize, to give advice, to put others down so that we can feel better. And we are far too reticent to give praise. Paul made a habit of this. If you go and read all of his letters, what do they start out with? Gratefulness. Thank you. Well done. Keep going. And the rest of his book 
Yes, he calls them out on things. Yes, he shares where they may be needing to improve. But he starts out with praise and gratefulness and encouragement. He made a habit of this. These were imperfect churches with imperfect people. But Paul started with encouragement. An ingredient of the gospel going forth is us praising and praying for one another, building up the saints. We should be each other's greatest cheerleaders, not each other's greatest critics. In fact, I want to, this morning, give a little bit of horizontal praise. Um, This is actually the last day of Pastor's Appreciation Month. So this is like the last day you can say thank you to pastors all year. No, just not, not quite. But I want to give some horizontal praise uh, to some of our elders and pastors. Thanks to Kondo and Jeff and Kyle, who are our staff elders. Thanks to our lay elders, Brad and Dennis and Rick and another guy named Rick and Brian and Seth. These men have a tough job. Their job is our collective spiritual oversight. I don't know how messed up you are, but I'm pretty messed up. And their job is collective spiritual oversight of all of us. In fact, I sometimes joke with Rick Neer, who um, is the leader of the elders. Um, I call him the chief elder sometimes. I say, hey, chief elder Rick, you are the keeper of my soul. And he's always like, okay, stop that. Um, and, 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 and I say that half joking. Because as our leaders, as our pastors, they have this responsibility. And it is a heavy thing to be an elder And we need to thank them and give them more praise than criticism. I don't know about our pastors and elders specifically, but I know that the research tells us that many pastors' tanks are on empty. Barna Research says 42% of pastors are considering quitting full-time ministry. And the top three reasons, stress, loneliness, and political division. Those are the exact opposite of praise and prayer. That tells me that pastors and elders are getting a whole lot more criticism than they are praise. And that is impacting our gospel witness. But it's not just the elders I wanna give some praise to this morning. It's also the staff. Andrew, Jen, Steve, Rick again, Kirsten, Emily, Marie, Erica, Betsy, Jake, John, And I'm just going off of what I could find on the website. I'm sure there are many others. I just want to stop and say thank you to our elders and our staff. Thank you for the ways that they serve us as a congregation. Actually, I'm literally going to get you involved in this whole thank you thing with me. So I want you to stand up. All right, go ahead and stand up. Uh, I had them turn this camera towards you. Uh, this morning, okay, instead of, uh, instead of at me. And I want you to look at this camera right here. And on the count of three, I want you to say, thank you, Mission Point staff. Okay, we're going to do that together. Uh, at first service, they gave them some thumbs up even. So, you know, they, they don't get to watch, right? They're actually out doing stuff right now. So look at this camera with me on the count of three. Say, thank you, Mission Point staff. Ready? One, two, three. Thank you, Mission Point staff. Oh, wow. Yeah, there we go. We give them a little praise. Thank you. You may be seated. We do that far too little to say thank you. But it's not just all of them that I want to say thank you to. I want to say thank you to all of you as well. Thank you for volunteering your time. Thank you for giving your treasure. Thank you for using your talents to grow God's 
church. <laughs> Thank you to the passionate bass player guy back here. I love him. I love, I'm standing offside, passionate bass player guy. I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, he's always deciding whether to play or praise. Like I can just tell, like he's up here in his own world, praising God. And I thank you for the passionate bass player guy, right? Uh, Somebody sets up this place in the morning. I don't know. I showed up this morning. They gave me a mic, told me to go on stage, but somebody put lights and mics and set up all of the mission point kids area. When most of you were still sleeping. Thank you to all of those who helped set up this place. I special, special praise this morning. Uh, yeah, thank you to them. I do, I do have an um, extra special praise I want to give this morning. There's some, there's some people that are really important, near and dear to my heart in this church. I actually don't know their names, but they make the coffee at Mission Point, and it is so good. And Yes, I, uh, I, my Folgers is pretty terrible at home, and so I come in with an empty mug on Sunday mornings and fill it up with the good coffee that's made here. So whoever makes the coffee and brews it, I want extra praise to you this morning. Here's the point. Let's be a church that encourages one another and gives each other praise. Why? Why? It's not just the right thing to do. It has gospel implications. Part of the gospel going forth is how well we encourage and build each other up. My challenge for you this week is to be intentional. Find someone this week in this church that you can encourage. Better yet, Not just this week, but today. Better yet, not just today, but right after this service. Find someone that you can walk up to and say, thank you. Thank you for what you do to help the gospel go forth. Be encouraged. Keep going. Paul and his friends start out with gratefulness for grace horizontally, but not not just horizontally, but also vertically. Um, often verse four gets separated out from verses two and three, and maybe that way in your text, but um, it's really supposed to be one long refrain. And in verse four, we read this. It says, for we know brothers loved by God that he has chosen you. Gratefulness is expressed to God for the Thessalonians being chosen and adopted into God's family. In fact, Paul repeats this throughout 1 Thessalonians. 19 times in 1 Thessalonians, he uses the term brothers and sisters, giving us a very important insight. The Thessalonians had been alienated from their society, but because they were now brothers and sisters, they had a new social fabric, new social relationships that can best be described in a sibling relationship, brothers and sisters. And this new family is concerned with nurturing and social support and help and interest and concern. And it's what we call the body of Christ. And here in the text, and I don't mean to get theological about this or debate it, but he uses the word chosen, that they had been chosen to be a part of the family. And he was praising God that they had been chosen. If you look around this room, you were chosen, you were chosen You were chosen. You were chosen to be a part of this family. I didn't choose you to be a part of this family. God chose you to be a part of the family of God. And when we engage each other, we are engaging chosen saints. So when you interact with that brother or sister in Christ who kind of annoys you, who thinks about politics different than you, who likes country music, just remember... 
They are part of the body of Christ. They were chosen to be on the team. You and I, we don't get to decide who gets to be on the team. God decides who's on the team. And there may be some people in the church that you wouldn't have chosen to be on the team. There may be some people on the team that you're not sure what they contribute. But they were chosen to be on the team. And at minimum, you can give praise to God that he chose them to be on the team, regardless of how you feel about them. I'm going to treat them as a brother or sister in Christ. The first ingredients we see for the gospel going forth is gratefulness for grace. Gratefulness for grace. In verse five, we see our second part of the equation here for the gospel going forth, and it's this. It's the grip of the spirit. Let's look at verse five together. It says this, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction, you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. So after expressing gratefulness, Paul then presents the foundation of his conviction. Not only was the gospel declared to the Thessalonians, but it was displayed. And it was displayed to them with power, in the Holy Spirit, with full conviction. In my house, we have this saying, actions speak louder than words. You probably grew up in a house that has a similar saying, actions speak louder than words. You can say you love your brother, but if you won't share your toys and you won't play with them, do you really love your brother? I can say to my wife, I want to help out around the house, but if I forget to take out the garbage week after week after week, do I really want to help out around the house? Not a real example, but just, I mean, just saying. I can say I want the gospel to go forth, but am I willing to step out of my comfort zone and do something and engage others who need Jesus? Because actions speak louder than words. Paul and his friends remind the church that the gospel was not just declared to them. No, the work of the power of the spirit was displayed to them. There was action. The Thessalonians knew how Jesus healed the sick and cared for the needy. They heard Paul's testimony of being one who rejected Christ and actually persecuted Christians to becoming Paul who built up the church of Christ. They saw the gospel go forth and change lives in their own city. It wasn't just shared with them. It was shown to them. And the question is this, is that how the gospel is going forth in our community? Is that how the gospel is going forth in your own life? Make no mistake about it. I praise God for the faithful preaching of his word here at Mission Point and in many churches throughout our community. I praise God for that. But there must be more. We must have testimonies for how the gospel went forth outside the walls of the church with power and conviction to turn sinners into saints. In your life, in my life, if others followed us around all week, would they see that our lives are full of power or fear? Would they see that the Holy Spirit is doing a work in us or culture is doing a work in us? Would they see deep conviction or would they see wavering? Our gospel can't just be something we say. It can't just be something we share. It has to be something we show. 
full of power and conviction. And I'm so thankful at Mission Point that we put our mission partners on full display and that we are given so many opportunities to be able to serve our community in tangible ways. It's powerful stuff. Are you engaged? Are you involved? Are you just showing up? Is showing and sharing the gospel more important to you than your kids' travel team success? Is showing and sharing the gospel more important to you than that next promotion? Is showing and sharing the gospel more important to you than what your friends will think at school or work? What are you willing to give up to show and share the gospel? Are you willing to give up everything? That is the power of the Holy Spirit in us. That is the power of the Holy Spirit when our priorities are realigned and people start looking at us and wondering what's different about them. Are we declaring through our actions that the power of the Holy Spirit is within us? May our actions speak louder than our words to ensure that the gospel goes forth to the ends of the earth. Gratefulness for grace. The grip of the spirit that is changing us from the inside out and impacting our actions. And then our final ingredient this morning for the gospel going forth is found in verse six. And it's this, the grit of the saints. The grit of the saints. Verse six says this, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Suffering is, a, is an essential component of the Christian life. We've been talking about that for the last seven weeks, that we will suffer. And here in this text, we hear that the Lord suffered and therefore Paul suffered. And Paul suffered and therefore the Thessalonians suffered. And should we somehow think that we are going to be any different? And this isn't just emotional suffering. This isn't even relational difficulty. No, they were receiving direct opposition from those in their city. Fear of physical harm. In verse six, it says they had much affliction, not just a little opposition here or there. And I must admit something to you this morning. This is probably what I fear most about following Jesus. The truth is I've had a pretty easy life. Grown up in a Christian home, very little affliction and opposition. I've not experienced anything close to what Paul and the Thessalonians have. And I fear my ability. I fear that that power of the Holy Spirit, that I have not yet enough faith to face opposition like this. We are going to face it. And our brothers and sisters in Christ from around the world already are facing it. I looked up this week on Open Door some statistics on Christians around the world. Over 360 million Christians have lived in places right now in the last year where they experience high levels of persecution and discrimination. 5,898 Christians were killed for their faith in the last year. 5,110 churches and other Christian buildings were attacked. I've never faced affliction like that. I don't know what that feels like or even the fear of that feels like. And sometimes I wonder if my faith would be strong enough to endure. 
But as followers of Jesus, we must have grit. We must be willing to persevere because our convictions will be questioned. Our motives will be questioned. Our beliefs will be maligned. There will be those who look for any and every reason to take us down. I am not looking forward to that, but I'm willing to welcome it for the joy set before me. I don't want the journey of hardship, but I do want the joy and the hope. I don't want the pain, but I do want the peace that passeth understanding. And you don't get this without that. Romans 5 says that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope. It starts with suffering and it leads to hope. I want that eternal hope and I have a savior who was my example. Hebrews 12, two through three says this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We have a savior who is in the throne of heaven who came down to us as a little babe. Why was he willing to come down and be with us? Why was he willing to go to the cross for us? Why was he willing to suffer in unimaginable ways that none of us will ever experience and no human ever has experienced? Why was he willing to do that? What was the joy set before him? We were the joy set before him, his church, the body of Christ. He was willing to suffer all things, to go to the cross and die for your sin, for my sin, for your shame, for my sin willing to go to the grave in order to be raised again on the third day and conquer over death. Why was he willing to go through all of that? Why would he willingly choose that? For the joy of us being called brothers and sisters. The temporary little affliction that I avoid means nothing compared to what my savior was willing to endure. And he is my example. He is my hope. He is the joy set before us that we would endure like he has been willing to endure so that we can have the joy that he is experiencing even now at the right hand of the father. So what is our equation this morning? One, gratefulness for grace. Gratefulness for one another, to be encouraging to one another, to be thanking God for those that we get to be with here as brothers and sisters and praying for one another. Gratefulness for grace, the grip of the spirit, power and conviction through our lives being lived out. Is that being seen in your life? Is that being seen in our church and the grit of the saints an unwillingness, unwavering, following of Christ through all the difficulties because of what he was willing to endure so we can have that joy, 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 joy down in the depths of our heart. And what is that going to equal? That's going to equal the gospel going forth to the ends of the world. Lord being made known everywhere all the time, sharing and showing the love of Jesus to everyone around us. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you for who you are, 
You are perfect and holy, full of love and compassion. And you love us. You love your church. And you sent your son to die on the cross for us. And we wanna give you praise for that. Thank you. God, we thank you for those that we get to live life with. The church that you've put us here, Mission Point, but, but the church globally as well. That we as brothers and sisters can encourage and uplift one another through life's daily battles. And we thank you that we have a great example of the hope set before us. Jesus, who is willing to endure all things for his church. Lord, may we be willing to endure so that your church, so that your renown can be made known. So that the grace that has impacted and changed us from the inside out can be not just shared, but shown to everyone around us. I pray, God, that you would help us this week, that we'd be willing to endure well, that we'd be willing to share, that we'd be willing to encourage. Thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Help me to love them better. In your name we pray, amen.